Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Level Up Latina podcast. Today we are talking about rising above challenging work environments. We're going to share some stories about some of the rough jobs that we've had through the years. So it's gloomy in LA, it's gloomy in San Francisco, so June gloom across the board. So I guess we're bringing the sunshine today and the light. Bing! Bing, bing. So let's get started talking about our challenging work environments and some of our tales from our tough career paths or maybe not so tough career paths. Maybe we can get started with a little bit on our backgrounds. How about we start with you, Ceci? Me, I am lawyer licensed in California. I've been practicing for six plus years. This is this will be my seventh year that I became an attorney. I worked or I worked with the same firm for straight out of law school, essentially. Uh, so all my practice has been with that firm. And I also worked with that firm prior to law school as a legal assistant for five years. So I kind of already knew the ropes of the firm coming into it. I started my career doing third-party personal injury. For me, it's a pretty interesting uh, background. I graduated sociology thinking I wanted to continue maybe to social psych. And I completely transitioned into business. Fresh out of college, I started working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And I was there for six years. From there, I went to work. Um, I took a little bit of a sabbatical and ended up going to... Actually, I should probably let you guys know. When I was at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I was there for six years, three years as a manager, and then I was looking into next step up, which is to area manager. And at that point, realized that that was probably not going to be the best thing for me in the sense of I didn't have I didn't have the support of my current area manager at that time there. So from there, I was, I was like, you know, maybe it's just time for me to move on. I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned, you know, managing a team, run, growing with a team and just uh, every aspect of what it is to manage and operate a business. So from there, I ended up leaving, took a little sabbatical, went to the Bay. That was there a few months, worked with my brother in a couple of projects. After that, I came back to LA. I worked for another company as a business operations specialist. From there, worked, moved to another company to do the business development center, which is a lot of uh, marketing and at, uh, more like the marketing and managing sales and how to how to grow the business there and then went to a small company to work with it's a sports as a sports event coordinator where that's the place where I actually held the most um wore the most hats and held the most positions as one person maybe running like five different departments in a sense there's another place where I grew and learned a lot negotiating contracts to negotiating deals to hiring and and you know hiring staff working with vendors all that good stuff so I have a lot of uh, a background in business operations sales team management I would say a little bit of everything <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Vettel. That brings us to me, Irene. I've been in the nonprofit business for almost 15 years now. I graduated with a degree in sociology and international studies. And so I was able to sort of weave the two into my passion for travel. But the reason I sort of stumbled into nonprofit work is because my first real job ever in college was at a summer camp. So I worked for an after school program. I worked for a summer camp that I just absolutely loved. And so when I came back to LA, the natural fit for me was to continue to work in a program that served the community. 
And so for a while, I worked with youth that were in a residential program that had multiple disabilities. And while I enjoyed it and I, I really liked the case management, I didn't totally see myself in the mission. So then I stumbled onto this wonderful job that I've had for the last 10 years, which is working with all future first generation college students to get them into college, which was my story, the story that you ladies have experienced, yeah. you know, being the first generation to go off to college. So I've done this for the last 10 years next month. I'm the CEO here, the proud CEO for five years now. It's just really fulfilling work in my experience as a CEO. I've just really had a lot of leadership opportunities, hiring, mentoring, <laughs> oh, <that's> uh, <laughs> everything. Don't get it twisted. Just because it's nonprofit does not mean that it's not a full-fledged business. I know sometimes these charitable organizations may seem like this mom and pop establishment but they are full-fledged businesses and so donate donate to your local nonprofits to any which tends to be the most difficult help. right Irene because yeah, you, you, not money. only are you managing these, this team you're raising money to keep your business running your your absolutely. organization running absolutely we do it all by raising money I do enjoy the fundraising piece at first I thought that that's something that I wasn't good at and I found that it's you know fundraising is it's not as tough as it seems so for those of you who are interested in business like Veto mentioned if you're interested in law like Ceci mentioned or maybe this nonprofit world that does involve, you know, business management and fundraising, we have that collective experience here. You know, you can count on 30 years combined experience Ooh. with the three of us in our 10 year careers, 10 plus year careers. Yes, yes of course, ladies. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid That's to reach out. It's been through everything. We have. So we're going to give you all a glimpse today of sort of our experiences, some of the things that have been difficult, some of the things we've, you know, had to surpass, but also grow from, you know, our careers have been a good combination of learning, growing, failing, like all people. So we'll share some of those tales today. If anybody wants to jump right into it and tell us a little bit about their journey more specifically and some of the challenges you maybe had to rise above or some of your worst job experiences that you've had and maybe we can encourage other women to get through these things? I can start. All right. I'm going to talk about um, a, one, well, a couple challenging uh, events that happened at work. Uh, one of the first ones that I had as a lawyer was uh, having to learn workers' comp law. And I'm going to say it's it was challenging because because mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that that was going to be something that I was going to have to do at my firm. So I started with my firm as a lawyer doing personal injury. And, you know, that was something that I kind of knew or had learned when I was a legal assistant at the same firm. So I kind of mm -hmm. knew a little bit about what I was doing already, jumping in, being a lawyer. But I want to say one year into being a lawyer, one of my colleagues and dear friends uh, was pregnant. And I knew that I was going to have to step in and fill her shoes while she was gone. She had the job title of uh, workers' comp attorney. So although I knew a bit about workers' comp, I hadn't practiced it before. So I knew that I was going to start to shadow her. I was going to have to learn the ropes, you know, through her and shadowing her at hearing so that I, when she did leave for maternity leave, I can represent her clients. Unfortunately, I was only able, I think, to shadow her at one deposition and uh, her baby came early, right? Her baby came early. So she was on maternity leave way earlier than expected. And, you know, the following week, whatever, or the following day, essentially, I had to learn the ropes and kind of teach myself what it was and uh, shadow one of the other attorneys uh, who was had a really busy and full caseload. But at the end of the day, I would like always be in his office asking like, okay, well, what I do, what do I do when this happens? And you know, what about this client? And it was it was really challenging because I went from having, uh, I don't know, just a handful of cases to having a full load of workers comp cases only that I had never managed in the past. 
and it was um I don't know I want to say about seventy or eighty cases that I inherited. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the the good thing is that uh, the majority of those clients were Spanish speaking clients. In a sense, I kind of felt really connected to them, and I, I wanted to do my best to you know learn and help them out and guide them through their case slowly, very slowly but surely. I was able to learn what I needed to learn and accompany them at their hearings, represent them in their hearings. That's how I became a workers' comp attorney at that firm and was able to practice uh, that type of law for about six years. It was it was challenging for sure, but uh, rewarding uh, definitely. You know, to represent those people that were injured at work, especially the Spanish speakers. You know, that needed the guidance, needed the help, and didn't know anything about, um, you know, the workers' comp system and just having that connection with similar backgrounds, that was very, very rewarding. So you learned on the job and it all kind of worked out. It worked out and, um, you know, I was happy and colleagues at work were happy. And I ended up keeping, I think, some of the clients that I had, like, established a rapport with those clients. That's fantastic. It's, it's a really good lesson to just sort of jump in, even when you don't know things. It sounds like you had a supportive work environment to learn. Yeah, it still sounded yeah. kind of crazy because you didn't have a lot of, you know, guidance seems, with the person being gone. Oh, yeah. the per So, yeah, my colleague was gone. And then the other thing that I forgot to mention was that all this happened right when uh, my husband and I got engaged. So mm. it was a crazy time for sure, you know, mm. at work, working long hours, trying to learn everything and trying to keep up with everything. And at the same time, trying to plan my wedding. So it was definitely a crazy time. Now looking back, it was exhausting. I remember Fridays, I was just, I was done. I was just like, oh my God, like this is crazy. And was really looking forward to just taking it easy and chilling. Would you say that you found balance during that time or that it, or that it was a time in your life where you had to be in balance and that's okay? Did you find a way to have a happy medium or did you just say, okay, this is temporary. My life's going to be crazy, but I'm going to be okay. Like what was the process? I think at the very beginning, I was, it was crazy. It was for sure crazy because I was like, well, it needs to get done. Wasn't really taking care of myself, mm. if you think of it, and or exercising. And then I would stay late hours in the office and come even on mm -hmm. the weekends because that's when I was planning the wedding. So I think Saturdays, and I remember running into one of the partners one mm. of the weekends there and say, Ceci, what are you working on? And I said, oh, I'm working on this brief. And I think, and then he was still there hours later. He's like, are you still working on the brief? I was like, nope, now I'm working on wedding details. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right. He's like, I was just making like, sure someone's you know gonna that do you're it. <laughs> we were on a budget, you know, trying to plan our wedding and then I, you know, not having the money to hire a wedding coordinator. So it was just my husband and I planning. And, and it was a fantastic we wedding, right, Vero? It was a was. fantastic yes. wedding. We had such a good time. Yeah. You pulled yeah. it off. And during that time, I had no clue that you were juggling that much. So way to go. You did not look stressed. You look fabulous, by the way. Thank oh, my God. <laughs> you look you looked so you were the opposite of stressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it, it was definitely a busy time for both of us because he was finishing up his master's that year, too. Year right before the wedding, he finished his master's. He was tackling his master's trying to finish up me trying to learn workers comp and plan the wedding together with him i remember missing a lot of events on the weekends because we were we would get together him to do schoolwork and me to do work work slash plan the wedding it was a busy time we finally told ourselves like hey you know what we need to exercise and then we kind of took it back to what we knew how to do you know go for runs and you know in the evenings and on the weekends when we had time just to bring it back to what you were mentioning was I able to balance I think ultimately running helped us balance that 
that busy time in our uh, Man, running does so much good for some people. That's fantastic that you were able to somehow juggle it all, be in balance for a bit, find that exercise that is the reason you and your husband sort of came to be with your love for running and to use that to sort of keep yourselves grounded and together and pull off a wedding and pull off having this intense workload for a little while. I have sort of a similar story when I, right before I took on this job. So I came on and I sort of elevated through the ranks here and I had the person in this job moved on. They were the executive director for a few years. Then there was another executive director that moved on and then they hired someone. Um, but before they hired that someone, they asked if I wanted the job and I, I denied it. Like I, d I didn't think I was ready. I mentioned earlier, I wasn't sure that I could fundraise. I knew that I had a great programmatic side. Like you said, Ceci, having clients that spoke Spanish and my Spanish speaking families and events that I put on for them. I really loved that part of the job. And I thought, well, as the executive director, I may not have as much of that. Sure, the pay was great, but I just wasn't ready. So they hired somebody yeah. else to be the boss for a while. And you know, that person, God bless her, she did the best she could, but she just didn't thrive. And after about 14 months in the post, she was out of a job here. And the opportunity again was given to me to take on this role of executive director. And that time I thought, okay, shame on me. Like, it's my time. It's my time. I have to take it. But funny enough, I only knew that it was my time because I first had to deny it 14 months earlier, go through that time working with this person that I felt was really struggling as the boss. And in a lot of ways, I was the boss. I got this trial run and thank God that I had that time. I got this experience to step in and do a big part of her job because she was just really overwhelmed and she was stressed and she wasn't handling the job well. And I realized, wow, these things have to get done and I'll just step in and I'll do them. So it was a crazy time but it was actually a really fulfilling time. I learned a lot in those 14 months. I felt like I came into my own. I felt like I was the pseudo leader here. And so the next time I was offered the job, I was more than ready to take it on. So it's funny when we go through those tough times because we don't recognize that we're actually growing and learning from them. It's funny, yes. Ceci, because you said you were just doing so much. Your husband's finishing his master's. You're planning a wedding. You're taking on all these cases. During those times, all that stuff that we have going on and sometimes in our lives, that's good for us. Like it's good for us almost to have mm -hmm. so much going on and to yes. rise to the occasion. And, and it's like challenging, but in a lot of ways it teaches you what you're capable of. And you suddenly have this right. weird confidence. You have this confidence, but I think it's yes, in how you definitely. see it, right? Yes. You, you, you start to realize like, I can do this. I got this. What do I like about it? So the fundraising just kind of came to be, I realized I could do it. And you got to surround yourself by supportive people. I had, we had a great supportive team here, but funny enough, it was like the, one of the worst bosses I've ever had. And in a lot of ways, it's one of the best times of my life because I learned to be a boss. So yeah. if you're listening yes. and you have a boss that could be better, instead of complaining about that boss, like where can you step up? Where can you alleviate it for your staff and your team mm -hmm. that is also experiencing the same terrible boss? And again, to this person who I don't know if they'll listen to this ever, they were good for this job. There was just some things they weren't good for the job. To her credit, she was great. It just wasn't the right role for her. Mm -hmm. And in that time, as opposed to, uh, probably I did complain about her, but as opposed to totally just complaining, <laughs> I took some stuff on and my team took, took some stuff on and the staff, we did some remarkable things together. So when you have challenging bosses, my advice is to lean on your teammates. Hopefully you have good teammates. Try not to gossip and complain, though that's hard, but there's no solution in that. You're just kind of bitter and not really moving forward. I'd say be empowered by doing more, have good boundaries, because the thing with this one boss that I had, I was pretty strict about my boundaries too. Like I didn't want my time wasted. I didn't want meetings that were ineffective. I wanted meetings that were strong meetings that were not wasting folks time. And I thought that was a good way to lead, even though I wasn't the leader and there was respect mm -hmm. from the people I worked with. And even that boss in a lot of ways, I was able to be honest with her. I was able to, again, have boundaries and communicate with her when I felt that she needed to hear things that maybe she didn't want to hear from someone who's her staff member. So it's such a delicate balance. And if you're struggling with that, with a boss that you don't like and an environment, environment that is tough, 
to deal with. We've been there. We have yes. been there. And yeah. that going to get into some of that in a little and bit, we, right? <laughs> but you can sense things, right? You can sense things at work. When things don't work out, you feel like, hey, there's something going on with my boss or, or with this person on my team. You sense it. You feel like you have a set tone for your, your work environment, right? For your office. It's not like it, it's people don't, other people don't see it or don't feel it. Like, okay, when you address your boss, like, hey, I'm able to be honest with you and talk to you about this. That probably helped them realize like, look, this is not the place for me. Maybe I thought I could do this role. Maybe that I felt like I had all the qualities that this role needed or required. However, I'm not the best person for it. And eventually they realized I got to go, I got to move on. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of pay attention to what that tone is in that office and your and with your team and really feed off of it. Like, you know, when they say like getting fired is never a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Or sometimes it is, or sometimes it is, right? It's like most of the time be, getting fired is not a surprise. You have this no. feeling, you know what you've been doing, you know your performance, you know what the environment at work has been like, kind of gives you a, okay, something's going on, something's weird or something's off. This might not be, I might not be here for long. And it yeah. kind of tells you like, okay, when that moment comes, you're like, I knew it. And you're kind of mm-hmm. prepared because you're like, you have that feeling. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, does, it shouldn't come to, as a surprise to anyone when performance yeah. is the issue you know you're either performing or you're not performing and we've all been there like i'm i'm sure there's been times in my life where i've been the terrible boss and there's been times (laughs) in my life where i've been the terrible employee or i've been the great boss or the great employee like we're not going to be these perfect beings through the entirety of our careers because we're going to be at different stages in our careers you're either excited and passionate about your career and you're moving it forward or you're burned out and unmotivated and that's a big clue and a big sign and don't ignore that do not ignore that give advice to everybody listening you know when you've kind of gotten to the end of your road with any particular career or work environment and though it's hard to change and it's hard to move on it's important to make that step. And I think we've all had to take that step for me. And in my example, I had to be uncomfortable and get out of a role here that I was really not going to be stimulated by. I needed to go to the next role here where it was going to be hard. Becoming the executive director was hard. It was not easy. I remember thinking my bosses before me had it easy. It was a very hard, very stressful time. And I had to come in on my own. But it's also a time that I did the best work I've ever done really taking on the responsibility of leading here and working with a board, working with staff, staff that in some cases were exceptional. And in some cases, this was not the right place for them. And like you said, Vettel, like people are not surprised when they're fired based on yeah, their performance or they're laid off. You know, they're not surprised by that. Yeah. But even navigating that, if you're the supervisor, if you're the manager, if you're the boss, that's hard. It's lonely. Women listening, it is lonely if you are the boss because who do you talk to? You know, no one's your peer. Everybody else has each other. As the boss, typically most companies do not have two bosses. You know, there's not two CEOs typically for a reason. So don't Mm -hmm. be lonely. Don't be lonely. Like find your support group, find your networking space, find other women that are doing what you're doing in a similar industry. That was some of the best advice I was given when I got this job. I was told you used to work with some of these people. You were hired at the same time they were hired. They were your peers. Mm -hmm. You used to vent and have a great time with them, but you cannot vent with your staff anymore. Oh, you cannot. Yeah. No, you got to move on from that. That's funny because that's been my biggest struggle because if you know me, you know that I'm a social person and I value friendships and it's like, whoa, suddenly I had to have this line between the staff and me. And in a lot of ways, like sometimes I, I have chosen the slippery slope and the slippery boundary, but I also knew that I also had people outside of this work. I joined a network outside of this work. I started to build a friendship with different CEOs that were doing the same work because I needed to go to them to vent Veto. I needed to go to them to complain about whatever I need to complain about because that's human and normal in business. And if you need to come to Level Up Latina, please, it's all confidential here, friends. Yeah, it is. is. Yes. No, it's so funny that you mentioned that because one of the many, many positions I held, one of them was when I was, (laughs) I happened to hire on one of my, a friend of mine. I'm like, you know what? 
what you're doing, it's great. However, you need something where you can rely on, have a 401k. You need to have something set for yourself. You need to work for yourself in a sense. I had my friend hire on with the, the company I was working at at the time. It was a pretty social environment. After a couple of months, she's like, a lot of people say you're like, too serious and that you don't make friends here and that you don't have any friends and no one knows you. And I'm like, um, you know what? I'm here for this position. I'm here to work. Mm -hmm. And if friendship comes from these, from whatever I'm doing, great. But my priority at work is to work and to, and make sure that my team and my department is, does well and hits her goals. The friendship part of it is not the reason I come to work. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, don't you, don't you want to be able to go out to lunch with all these other people and do this and have a social outing, the social aspect of it? I'm like, you know what? Like I said, that's not my priority right now. Mm -hmm. This is my focus. But a lot of times we get confused. We think like, oh, we're at work. These are our friendships. You know, these, we intertwine our life with work. It kind of just doesn't give you the opportunity to just be like, okay, this is my, this is where I'm at. This is where life begins. This is where work ends. It's so intertwined. The next thing you know, you, when you start having issues, start having issues with your people from work, you start having, Mm -hmm. um, and who do you go to? You're like, oh, well, my friend, you know, my, my boss is my friend. Now we have an issue at work and we also happen to live together. And we also mm. happen to do this. Now, how do you handle that? You know, there should be no reason why you have to expect certain things from me at work. When we're here, do your job. I do my mm-hmm. job and then everyone's happy. Some people get confused in what the work environment is. And we're not, a, we're not all expected to be friends, but we're all expected to be able to find a way to work with one another, be respectful and find solutions to any kind of issues by really addressing the issues that you have with your management, with your coworkers, mediated by some, by someone. That's probably the best thing to do, not by taking it personal, you know, or making mm-hmm. it things too personal at work. Uh, but mm-hmm. that was like one thing at one job. One of the most challenging things I ever had to deal with was trying to motivate a team. When I worked at Enterprise, when I got best career development I've ever done, they were a great opportunity. I, I'm not in no sense regret working at that company. Sometimes I have, I still have my emails where I wake up thinking I'm still running cars. By my experience, how we were mentioning earlier, Ceci, that you had this imbalance. Mm-hmm. That was one of the jobs that helped me realize when when I know that I'm ready to move on, just move on because there's only so much you can do. I was still performing at work. I was doing great, but it got to the point where I'm like, I, I knew that there was a part of me that wasn't really fully there. It was noticeable. And there was times where, you know, as managers, you can take your time. You didn't have a set schedule. You're on salary. So you didn't have to be at the office, you know, the entire day. You can have a later walk-in time to the office. You can leave earlier. You can leave later, have an extended lunch. But for me, it was always, you know what? I'm going to take my time in the morning and I'm there all day. I was working 12. 14, 16 hour days sometimes. It just depended wow. like where, where office you were at. It was taking a toll on me in that sense where it was so much work that was giving, you know, there was no balance in the sense of when do I have time for me? Eventually through, you get used to that schedule and then you lose track of you. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing anything but doing my happy hours, having a good time, drinking, going home, sleeping, and then waking up for another 13, 14 hour day. Through that process, I met my fiance and we became engaged. And then in that process, I'm still working a lot. He had moved on from the company. I was still working these long days and I would come home. And one day after coming home so late, stressed out, tired, hungry, because sometimes you don't even have time to eat. Mm -hmm, I walk mm -hmm. in, I open the door and I see him sitting on the couch. And I just like my whole future with that person just flashed forward in in front of my eyes. And I said, I can't do this. Just mm-hmm. how I, how I saw that at work, I needed to move on. I was like, I can't do this. I need to be able to have this conversation with this person. Are they feeling wow. that? Am I, am I just yeah. the only one tripping? But it comes to when like, you don't, if you're not, you don't have that balance when you, you don't feel okay. And you know that there's things that you could be doing that are 
are better or greater or just the next thing for you. Realizing it is one thing and acting on it is another. Because here was this job that I was doing great in that I knew I should have kind of left or moved on from. And I was sitting there, why did I have to wait for that moment when I knew it was, I was, I was ready to move on a long time ago. Yeah. At that point, I realized, okay, I need to be a little bit more hands-on in my own life. Mm -hmm. So when it came down to it, I sat down with my ex-fiance, the ex-boyfriend of my time at the time. And, and I had a conversation with him. I was like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. And I need to take control. I need to take action. Like, don't you feel this way? And he was like, no. I'm like, well, I do. And it was actually even more t- difficult conversation because now here's this ready to get married. Everyone in my family is super excited, but it's like, you know what? No, like it, it was, didn't feel right at the time either. Yeah. So you have to kind of create your own balance. You have to step in and take control of your life because if not, things are just going to happen just because it feels that it's the right thing, the next thing to do or the right step or the right next step. So for me, it was like, okay, no longer work at this company that I gave six years of my life to that I did learn so much, did so much for him. Now I'm like, okay, where do I, I'm starting from, from ground zero. Where, where do I want to go next? Here it is ending a relationship. You kind of find yourself like, oh my God, how did it get to that point? Yeah. You kind of have to just gather yourself really right to the occasion where it's like, okay, now I'm starting with a clean slate. What do I want to do? What motivates me? So then later on, I ended up working with a smaller company and that really taught me a lot. Relationship wise, I don't want to just stand by and be in a relationship Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But what I mean is like, if you don't have like that, um, I think a lot of that came from my work environment where I was just so busy, always like didn't have time for me and didn't have a moment to really breathe and think, is my, is everything else outside of work? Okay. No, it wasn't. And then it wasn't until I took that time to just really reflect and be like, okay, no, let's move on. That I started noticing a change in what I wanted to do career wise and how I would handle my professional life to how it would reflect with my personal life. That's Mm -hmm. amazing, Vittle, because I think you touch on something so critically important. Your career and what wasn't working there seeped into your relationship and what wasn't working there. And you had to have the big girl courage to end both things. That route, that career route that was corporate and that you knew, okay, I gave so much. You said you were working 12 hour days. You know, you were giving it your all and a relationship where you were engaged to someone giving it your all. And you said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take pause. I'm going to take control of my life and go in a different direction. I have always admired that so much about you, Vettel, because it could have been so easy for you to stand by, watch your life happen, marry this person, stay on that path. Your family liked him. You owned a home together. I know your story. I know you could have done what maybe a lot of people do, which is live quiet lives of desperation instead of facing the reality. Just settle. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is change is hard. Do the things you want to do and don't settle. And ladies, we all have done that at different points in our lives. It'll blow up in your face or you'll take control. So I'm so proud of you. That's a great story that talks about how professional stuff became personal stuff and yes. you had to change both things right yes yes and that was hard you, that was hard thank you Oh my God, sin miedo, no se vale, no se vale con miedo. You know, Nada. it's funny because as you were talking about airtime at Enterprise, I was thinking about some of the biggest lessons from from my career here is that we have to have tough conversations. That's like the hardest thing we we want to do oh, in our man. workplace. Yes. We, have to have, we have to learn to have those tough conversations, not just with our fiance at home, but with our boss at the office, with our team at the office. Oh my God, and yeah. 
biggest lessons I think I've learned is like we have to have the courage, ladies. It's so hard, but it just deal direct to be honest, to be okay with. If you're not having tough conversations, then you have like fake harmony in your workplace, and that eventually is going to be stale, and no one's going to grow in that. Mm-hmm. And you embrace those tough conversations at home and in the workplace. And have that courage. Beto, you talked about, you know, you can't really have your friends be the people you work with or the people that report to you. In those situations, I'd say sometimes you go inward and like people were saying to you that you weren't as social. They don't need to know your life. They don't need to know your life. You know, Mm -hmm. there have been times here where it seems like I'm disconnected and it seems like I don't know what's going on. And that's really because I have to have a distance between myself and maybe the staff where there have been times in my life where it may seem like folks and say, oh, they don't care. That's always such a great label. Yeah. Oh, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Just know that when people say that, it's probably because they just don't understand and there's something in their perception. Like you do care and it'll come across how it's going to come across for you. And it's important to still do the work, keep your head down, try not to let that seep into your life. Any labels, any judgment from the people that you work with or your bosses or your peers. One thing I wanted to bring up is that we've all had to do maternity leave. We've all had to have oh. babies. And work is yes. a whole other topic, our careers and our professions yes. and the times in our lives when we had to stop and become moms. Let's chat a little bit about that. How does that sound? Okay. So yeah, I'll start with my story. I went back to work when the twins were six months. I was able to take the maximum amount of time that state disability allows. And my employer also allowed me like the six weeks unpaid. We made it was tough, but we made it work. Went back to work. The girls were six months, but I was breastfeeding. I was breastfeeding because that's what I chose. That's what I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. I went back to work telling my bosses that I was going to be pumping and they were totally supportive, told me what do whatever you need to do. Uh, I was using a private little room within my office, actually, that is used as the server room. I remember Um, getting pictures from you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would send pictures of me pumping. Yes. So I had to make it work uh, some way or another. I had to pump, I think, twice. Yeah, it was twice a day that I was pumping. It was really, really challenging because on top of pumping, I had to stay up to date with my cases, deal with my busy schedules, yeah. my hearings and whatnot. In workers' compensation law, there's a lot of depositions of your clients that happen. I would always have to go in a few minutes before the deposition started to give a heads up to opposing counsel the court reporter and the translator, which was most of the time there was a translator for my Spanish-speaking clients. So I had to give them a heads up. Hey, guys, at this time, I'm going to have to take a short little break. And I had to share my whole, you know, story like, hey, I'm pumping. And so this is why I need to take this 10 to 15 or 20 minute break. So it just it was hard because even though, you know, luckily we're in San Francisco, they're super supportive and, you know, supporting uh, moms, working moms. It was still tough because I had to go in and tell them, like, heads up, hey, guys, like, I'm going to go pump. And it was just sharing that personal uh, motherhood <laughs> part of me and how to, having to share. But, again, it was so supportive. The opposing counsel and, and court reporters, they were always asking, oh, how are your twins? You know, because that was, like, the story in our little legal community here in San Francisco. Uh, so that was definitely challenging. And um, I got to know a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, private rooms and a lot of pumping rooms and different courtrooms here <laughs> here in San Francisco and throughout the Bay Area. So that was definitely challenging because even though I was so happy and excited doing this, you know, pumping and feeding them. Yeah. It was also challenging because it was hard and I was exhausted and it was just like, oh God, I have to take take a break and I have to step away from the deposition or take a break after that hearing and just, you know, it would cut into my work day that I was definitely not used to and it, it, it would just make the day longer, challenging, but I was happy that I had a super supportive staff and they knew and I put my little sign up like, hey, I'm pumping, like, don't come in. So 
The takeaway was just I'm happy and that I did it. It was uh, a stressful time, challenging time, mm-hmm. but I'm really, really happy that I was <laughs> able to breastfeed my girls for about 13, 14 months. So I also had the similar experience where I had a really supportive work environment. So my, well, for my first, I was able to not go back to work, which is great. It took a couple of years to be with him. For my second kid, I was able to bring her to work, which is not common, but it was so critically important that they allowed that for me. So my second baby girl was at the office with me. You know, I took my three months off and then she got to be here for three months, which was so important to have those six months with her. And then eventually grandma took over. I, I was blessed to be able to have my husband's mom take care of my two youngest. Those kinds of work environments, like I don't know how I could have done it as a mother. If, if they didn't allow me to bring her to the office, if Ceci, they didn't allow you to pump and understand that you had a schedule around your pumping needs. Like, us as women, we deserve that. We need to be in spaces and places that don't penalize us for being moms. And so we've had those experiences of positive work environments that supported maternity leave. And so then we have not so positive examples. Biddle? Well, it's not that it's not so positive. It is, um, it's definitely a positive learning, but it was just, um, this is what happens when you, you end up working for a small company that has not had to deal with a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Meaning maternity leave. Mm-hmm. The company I worked for, very small company, but we're doing great. I was the part of handling the sporting events. So I was director of marketing and marketing and events. When it came down to it, I was the main person in charge of a myriad of things. I was the one hiring. I was the one dealing with vendors. I was the one being the moderator with our bosses when we were trying to make decisions that were important as to the future of our company. Um, I was the one in the office making sure things ran smoothly. I was the office manager. I was everything you can wow. imagine. That wow. was me. And I enjoyed it. It was a lot. And I enjoyed being, you know, on my toes, like just constantly working hard and being busy. A lot of times we say busy, bu- stay busy, but I was busy and productive because I didn't have time to waste because I had so many things that fell onto my plate that needed to be on a timeline that if things didn't go right, we would not have an event that following month. So I knew that it was going to be difficult for me to be away. So I took the initiative and I realized this is a lot of work. This in the sense of it's intense and it can become stressful. And currently I can handle it, but I don't know how how anyone else when I'm I'm not around is going to be able to do it. So I talked to my boss. Um, we had a conversation. I said, you know, this is going to be tough. I need to tell you and be honest with you. I'm only four months pregnant. And I know that I'm not the kind of person that asks for help when things need to go down. And I'm the main. And I know that I'm going to need an assistant. I need an assistant or I need an intern. I need someone to be in my place now, immediately that we need to hire so they can learn what I do. And it seems like my, my boss was supportive. He's like, yes, I'm, I agree. Yes, let's hire someone to be next to you. And let's hire someone the next month, put together a job description and let's let's look for someone. That didn't happen. I put together my my list of responsibilities, but ended up paying, being pages long, which is okay. I'm like, let's be detailed in what we really need to happen because we don't want things to go haywire when you're gone. Put together my list of responsibilities, put together the job description, and I presented it to my boss. We need to get this done. Um, we finally hired someone. My job didn't have a set maternity leave and plan in place, so I had to start uh, researching what we were going to do. So I started having those conversations with my boss as well. I'm like, look, how are we going to handle the maternity leave? He's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. We understand that, you know, you, you get this much through the state. Then there's the FMLA. If you need more time. But with us, you don't even have to worry about it. You can take as long as you want. You know, that's awesome. I feel I got the support. I'm like, you know what? The most I would do is six months. We had conversations like, how will my pay come into play? All these other things. And at the end of the day, that backfired. Um, right before I was ready to come back to work, I checked in and I said, hey, I wanted us to be on the same page. So I go in and I meet with, I had three bosses at the time. So there's three owners. Two of them were the ones sitting in the meeting room. I'm like, no problem. 
So I sit down with them. They were the ones I mostly handled all of the, our, our events and issues with and managed the office with. So we sit down and they're like, okay, so, you know, a lot of things have changed since you've been gone and all these new things we've implemented. Your position is no longer available. Mm. It was, it kind of ca- catches you off guard. So at that point I was like, wait, what? And there was a lot of other things going on in my life at the time. You guys know that my relationship with my partner was in the air. You know, we didn't know we were going to co-parent at the time. There's so many other things going on. And now I had to deal mm-hmm. with this where I'm like, what? Now I don't even have a job. Yeah. I was like, okay, hold it together. Right. I'll clarify. There's got to be something out there. So they try to put the, present it as a, here's this other opportunity for you. If you want to start your own business. But at the end of the day, your position here no longer exists. So they pretty much eliminated the title that I had, but <laughs> the, the job was still there. They're like, well, go home, think about it. What do you want to do if you want to start this business? If not, you know, here's this other package. Here's a little severance package to, you know, to review. And I looked at it and it was like a slap to the face. And these are people that I cared about, people we worked together. We had been working for over, you know, almost six years as well. We had we developed a great friendship, a relationship because it was a smaller company. Before I walked out, I clarified with them. I'm like, so you guys telling me that there is no job for me here. Um, the only other thing I could do is possibly start a business as a branch of your of your business. But other than that, you guys understand that by law, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be coming back to my position or something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, we understand. But things have changed. I was like, OK, I just want to make sure you guys knew that. So when I walked mm-hmm. out, I'm like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Who can I talk to? So the first person I called was Ceci. I'm like, she's a lawyer. She'll know what to do. I was like, Ceci, help, you know, because no sabemos. And things were just like, oh, my God, that right. totally came out of left field. And when I had no mm-hmm. idea that they were going to be telling me, bye, we no longer have room for you here. Uh, we found a way to run our business or operate our business at a lower cost without you here in a sense. Right. So I'm like, you guys know, I, I mentioned them. I question, I said, you guys know this is legal. They're like, yes, but things have changed. Call Sissy up. I'm like, Hey, Sissy, help. And she guided me to a lawyer who's like, let me hear you out. Let me hear your story out. And she's like, yes, you have a case. And the first things first was like, I was hesitant to even act further just because of the fact that I did have a friendship with the people I worked with. But at the end of the day, I'm like, they didn't take me into consideration. Exactly. Exactly. You know, why should I be like, oh man, I feel so bad. I shouldn't get a lawyer. I shouldn't do this. Hey, it is what it is. I had to smack myself. Like, Hey, reality, you, you have a mouth to feed. You have a household, you Mm -hmm. have a mortgage, you have things to handle. You have bills Mm -hmm. to pay. This is not right. And I'm sure that it's happened to me. It's happened to many other women out there. And it might happen to more women that they join on their, that joins their team. But I wanted them to understand that that's not right. And I need, I'm like, if I don't stand up for myself, who will? No one. And mm-hmm. we need to be able to find the courage to step up and say something. So I said, Hey guys, I am, um, I've gotten a lawyer and she will be getting in contact with you. And that was the toughest decision I made. But at the end of the day, it was going to be more difficult for me to handle a newborn, pay my bills, pay my mortgage, and even try to find a new job. For me, at the same time, I ended up, you know, my partner ended up being very supportive. He's like, no worries. I've got your back. And that really helped a lot because at the time we were not together. I remember saying that for me, the ideal thing for me that whenever I had kids, I wanted to stay at home. So it was kind of like that mm-hmm. blessing in disguise. I've been home since then. And luckily you find, yeah, I found the courage to be able to handle that. I was uh, brave enough to just, you know, be honest with, you know, with my family and, and my partner to be like, Hey, I need this at the moment. I need your support. And having, if I didn't have the support of my, the people I worked with, my, my job and my bosses, I definitely had the support of my friends and my family. That was my story, man. Maternity leave was, uh, with those six months, I was like, Oh, I didn't want to leave my baby. But at the end of the day, I had to come, I came back home to my baby. 
Um, she's 20 months and little man, um, and they ended up pregnant soon after. And I have my two little kids. It was definitely a learning experience that for the most part, no one should, uh, if anyone's going through that, where the maternity leave at your office or at your, or at your place of work just uh, is a kind of like a hands-off topic, or you don't know how to address it with your boss, make sure you do. Just find, you know, find the way to talk to your boss, talk to your people that are there. Find, make sure you do have the support and whatever it is you discuss, get it in writing. For me, I would kind of like write emails and send it to my boss. And at the end of the day, those emails meant nothing. Like I said, don't, don't, no te quedes con las manos cruzadas or just don't walk away from it. It's just going to take a little bit of faith and in yourself to be like, okay, I can handle this. And the right thing to do is this. Tip of the day, actually, Vettel, because you said, you know, there was a lot of learning that went on. You had to kind of get through that adversity and ended up being a blessing in disguise. But you also said, like, figure things out. You may be in an employer that doesn't have their stuff figured out. They don't have their policies in place. Maybe they don't even know how to support someone going out because they have an injury or a surgery that they need. So my tip of the day to you is maybe you don't want to come to Level Up Latina for services. But listen, we've got so many great examples and expertise at our fingertips here with Ceci's law background, your business background, Vettel, my leadership background, DM us, email us. That's your tip of the day. Maybe you're not sure about what to do in a situation and you just need some advice and some quick guidance. We are always here to help. And you hear something in Vettel's story, maybe, or something in Ceci's story, maybe that really resonates with you and you have questions. My tip to you today is come back to us, send us a DM, send us an email, ask us to elaborate on any of this that really resonated with you because you're going through it, because you shouldn't have to go through these tough times, these challenging work environments experiences by yourself. So yeah, come to us. All. We're happy to we're happy to guide and to coach even if it's in an email or a quick DM. I mean, this is part of our services, right? Career coaching, like these challenging times at work, you know, we're here, level up with us, you know, partner up with us. We're here to help. We we're 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 here to help you move on to your next step, either surviving that challenging time at work or even, you know, moving on to your next career choice, your next job. We're here. Call us, DM us, email us. So I want to remind everybody of some exciting stuff that we have going on. We are Ooh. having our San Francisco Level Up Latina launch party. And so if you want to keep the conversation going about career, about family, about relationships, the last couple of podcasts that we've had, let's keep it going in person, mujeres. Yes. Yes. So it's going to be in San Francisco on the 26th Woo-hoo. of July. There's going to be great raffles, prizes, food, drinks, opportunity to network. So you were not going to miss this on our social media account. If you're following us at Level Up Latina on Instagram and on Facebook, you should get the information about this wonderful event. You can check it out on Eventbrite. Just search Level Up Latina or check it out mm-hmm. on our website at leveluplatina.com. That's also the place to subscribe to our email list. That's also the place to check out all of our podcasts that maybe you've missed in the past. So please check out our website, leveluplatina.com. Email us at admin at leveluplatina.com to keep any of our conversations going. To get more information on our awesome launch party happening in San Francisco on July 26th. Vettel, thank you for your wonderful stories, Ceci. These were really great experiences that we shared today. Thank you. Irene. Yes, ladies, thank se cuidan mucho. It's great being on here today and thanks for listening to us. Don't forget to level up. Bye.